manager, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, welcome to Crisis on Infinite Midlife's podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. <laughs> at, at this point, you generally do the glee so much. I'm glad you've kind of toned it down over the last couple because it makes me feel like I have the flat affect of a mental patient. Oh, Just, honey, you do. Oh, okay. <laughs> it throws off the cops when they pull me over. I don't look like I could possibly have done that armed robbery. No, it's just that, yeah, I was beginning to get feedback into my own ear, earphones. Uh, <laughs> uh, they can only contain so much glee. It's glee that cuts right through to your brain when it's piped directly into your... And I'd like to apologize to our listening audience for that. <laughs> oh, the world needs more glee. I mean, that's a lot of glee in a short burst, but... How much glee? Um, I, don't, I can't watch a show. I, I really don't need any glee. <laughs> Frankly, it just takes me aback every time you do it on Sunday. So to glee or not to glee, that is the question. Whether uh, it is nobler to that's not a question. Nobody's ever <laughs> asked that fucking question. <laughs> I mean, not even uh, was it Sean Murphy who does that Glee show. Yeah, uh, Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy. Yeah, even he doesn't do it. The paycheck comes. Fine, <laughs> sing you monkeys. You're under a five year contract. You'll sing. I have to go craft this awful dark thing for eight episodes of American Horror Story. I'll I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> So, and, and Frank, I, I don't have the energy to do the Glee. This is a day I have done literally nothing but comics. I know. I watched I, you. I got up at, for me, the ungodly hour on a Sunday of 8.30 in the morning, and I fed the cat, and I came immediately into what will someday be a recording studio, but to this day is still just a room full of fucking comic books. And I cataloged books for like six hours and then I reread the books that we're going to talk about for the show. I've done nothing but comic books today. Wow. If you if you had had like this much sort of like wherewithal and focus in college, where would you be now? I went to college? <laughs> There's like four years I can't really account for too clearly. I'm sure I remember somebody giving me a piece of paper. I thought it was a restraining order. <laughs> Don't you fucking come back here. But I'm doing fine. Got to decent place and nice car and get to talk comic books every sunday yes what are you my mother please god don't be my mother <laughs> i got a lot of shit to explain to a priest <laughs> i have to go shower I'll i can't back. explain to a priest <laughs> if i walk into a church i burst into flames that's another restraining order from jesus can't be can't take any communion can't go anywhere near the holy water <laughs> it burns it burns <laughs> Clearly, I'm fucking loopy today. thought it was just allergies. Well, yeah, I'm allergic to God. <laughs> but, so, yeah, it's just been a long day of comics, which in its own way is appropriate because I, I did notice, you noticed it earlier in the week on the actual day, but since we started on a Sunday, today is the third anniversary of Crisis on Infinite Midlives existing as some form of internet thing yeah go us we're an internet thing of some we're an internet source. thing <laughs> yeah we, we started as a website uh september 4th 2011 um and it was a sunday and we didn't mean to start that day it's just i installed wordpress and suddenly it was live it's like <laughs> oh shit we better start writing something quick because right now it says hello world <laughs> that was a big day we, we threw up like a whole glut of things and and a, a couple of our friends that we had let know 
this was happening they were like wow you guys are writing a lot how'd you write so much like, oh, that's gonna stop <laughs> and, and, and it did <laughs> it, it took a couple of years it trickled down to one thing a day and that's just you, you know remember the podcast that was fun yeah one thing a day and then the thing became a, oh i found a video and a video a day <laughs> yeah it's so it, it's been it was always fun yes it was really hard and now it's just fun again bullshitting over beers over comic books on Sunday night. It's true. So it's true. And this week I have the added bonus of I found the Uber whiskey. <laughs> Go on. Um yeah, it's called Octomore. It's uh by uh o- Octomom? What? No. <laughs> Don't put Octomom Birdlo- in your Birdlo- mouth. Birdlo- Jesus. <laughs> it's like a five year old whiskey, but it's fifty seven percent alcohol. Um and it comes in a jet black, like you can't see through it bottle. Um it was rec- recommended to me by by one of the managers of our local liquor store. Yeah, okay, recommended. Let's <laughs> let, let's be honest. We went in he there. He saw and, me for the rube that I am. He saw you for the drunk that you were because because <laughs> we went into that liquor store after we'd been to the bar. Yeah, and we were just wandering around with a healthy glow. Yeah, <laughs> there wasn't anything healthy about it. When your liver dies, it throws off heat death, and that's got a color, but. But yeah, he saw you and knew that you liked the nice scotch, and yeah, he went straight in for the kill and moved this three-figure bottle of hooch. He yeah. could have sold, if he'd had too much Mad Dog, he could have sold that to you. Oh no, this is the good stuff, the Red <laughs> Banana Mad Dog. It's it's aged six years. The wine? No, the bananas. That's why we get them so fucking cheap. Don't be stupid. I hate bananas. <laughs> you get my point. So... Yes, you have the high end. We're lucky we could talk at all this weekend. It's true. It's true because, yeah, right after that, because I'd had about a bottle of wine at dinner before we got to the liquor store, he moved that stuff on me, and then I had about four fingers worth of it because I had to try it when we got home. Now, in last week's show, we discussed it being fisted by whiskey. You were fisted by whiskey. (laughs) I was. I was. Yeah, you put that down. You were out for the count. Yeah, so last night I just kept it to couple bottles of wine i'm really functional today (laughs) all right it's gonna be an excellent show strap in you got up earlier than i did well that's okay because yeah because on friday after you went to bed i stayed up drinking until about two o'clock in the morning (laughs) and then yeah that was an early alarm because i had to take the crisis on infinite midlives mascot parker the kitten to get his claws trimmed because we had an appointment. He hadn't had it done since before San Diego Comic-Con. And yeah. I'm not going to do it. That cat looks askance at me enough without <laughs> me chopping at his fingers with a crude cutting instrument. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I appreciate you doing that because he woke me up this morning um, at the crack of, oh, God. And <laughs> I dated her. <laughs> and uh, it would have been that much worse had he still been full full knife on. <laughs> Actually, I'm sorry. That, that was the crack of "Oh Jesus, no!" You never met her. <laughs> the restraining order. <laughs> yeah, and I should renew that. She can't come anywhere near me. So it's been a hell of a weekend. I think is what yes. we're getting at here. Hi, world. Yeah. So a lot of celebrating milestones and face planting into the cobblestones. Yeah. Yet another weekend at the Crisis on Infinite Mid- Midlife's home office. So. This week, unlike the last few, uh, there was actually some some comics news. There was. At least I want to talk about. And one particular thing, which on its face seems kind of innocuous, because it's surrounding Marvel and they're reprinting 
uh, of Miracle Man. Yes. Which they've been talking about since 2009. And... Then in 2010, they put out some reprints of the really old stuff while they, I don't know what they were doing, wrapping up all the rights behind the the Alan Moore, uh, Neil Gaiman stuff or sending flowers and amphetamines to Alan Moore so he wouldn't come out publicly against the project and trying to figure out if he... (laughs) <laughs> if he wanted to be credited as Mistopheles or just the original writer, he went for the boring one. <laughs> so yeah, they finally started reprinting uh, the more stuff. Uh, the 10th issue just came out this week. Yeah. Um, so it was just announced this week they're going to do a Miracle Man annual, uh, which is going to comprise of a story set in the 50s before the uh, the Alan Moore stuff. Uh, by Peter Milligan and Mike Allred, and a story by Grant Morrison that apparently was written back in the 80s for Warrior magazine, which is where Miracle Man, who started out as Marvel Man, uh, debuted. Um, (laughs) And Morrison, when apparently he he turned in this five-page script, wrote to Alan and, and said, oh, I just... I, I want your blessing on the project. And according to Morrison, Moore replied with, yeah, I don't want to sound like a mafia hitman hissing at you, but don't you fucking touch my project. There's and Morrison something. crawled into a peyote button, and we haven't seen him after that. Oh, no. We, we've, <laughs> we've seen, seen him. him but <laughs> we, we see him a lot. But... He had to assuage some butt hurt. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's uh, and it, it was a big deal uh with a press release put out by Joe Quesada. Quesada is drawing this 20-something year old Morrison story um you know, saying, "Oh, it's this uh, huge lost story for this massively important comic book character." And that I'm a big Miracle Man fan. You are. You uh, are. You know this. Yep. Um right around the turn of the century, 99, 2000, 2001 where I finally started to have money for more than just, you know, natural light and my rent <laughs> yeah, and, you know, two or three comic books a week. Uh, I, I'd i heard of Miracle Man. I bought one or two issues when I was in high school from, like, the middle of the run. And, and I read them like, I, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I like Alan Moore, but uh, this is impenetrable to me because I got in too late. So I decided I'm going to start hunting down all the Miracle Mans. Yeah. Um, even at the time, 14, 15 years ago, it was... You know, this was the story that got away. It was, it, nobody knew who had the rights. You know, the books were easier to get than they were like a year ago. But still, it was. I would. I went to five, six, seven different comic stores and various. I know I went to at least one comic convention in Boston, and this is back in the day where the <laughs> convention was a room on the second floor of a hotel with like four sad retailers and one bootleg video vendor. Yeah. And finally, eventually, and you were there that night um, for the big one, Miracle Man 15, 15 uh, which I couldn't find anywhere. That that was the most rare issue, the one where Kid Miracle Man just tears London a new asshole. I finally, I signed up for an eBay account. It's the first <laughs> thing I ever bought on eBay, and I think the last thing. Probably. And, yeah, sat there with a bottle of Jack Daniels <laughs> until like two in the morning sniping at this one auction <laughs> until I finally got the copy of that book. Yeah, because it was you and this one other dude who was like hell and gone determined to get it, and I remember. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a, you know, 
it would go up five bucks. It's like, all right, I'm bidding up, you know, 15 bucks. Shit, it went away. He's bid higher. Bid it. it went literally down to the second <laughs> on this poor son of a bitch. And it was just, I had just gotten paid. So it's like, <laughs> screw it. They're not going to shut the water off tomorrow. I can pay $85 for this book. I think that's what I finally got it for. Yeah, yeah. Like an hour before the auction ended when I found it. I think it was like 50. I'm like, I'm going to get a bargain. Give me another <laughs> glass of this shit. <laughs> The morning, it's it's like what the an eBay receipt. What the <laughs> hell did I do? <laughs> so I'm a big Miracle Man fan. I, I've got all the Eclipse issues. I finally got the last one I was missing about five years ago because in the books I was cataloging today, I just came across it. Miracle Man 3D, which is nothing but a reprint. That's mm. why it was sort of last. But so yeah, I I love Miracle Man, and still the news of this new story and this lost story from grant morrison i'm trying to figure out i'm i'm not for this i I don't think they should do it It, it'll be on my pull list and i'll get it and i'll read it but it's i i don't want more expanded stories of miracle man right for a couple reasons you know the the first one being I, i don't really know who it's for particularly all right when you look at the the Milligan story that's set in the 50s, Marvel reprinted all of those, not all of them, but a bunch of those stories when they first said that they, quote, had all the rights. Yeah. Um, back in 2010, they, they didn't sell. Right. Um, on the other hand, you have to look at, you've got Milligan and Allred together. We know that Allred does a nice job on stories that are, are kitschy, light-hearted which a 50s type story would be he's doing a really great job on batman 66 oh yeah and these guys have worked together before right. when and they so were on x-force and ecstatics that's immediately where my mind went to so i'm guessing there'll be some sense of humor about this book that is somewhat lacking perhaps in the alan moore stories well it's definitely lacking in the moore <laughs> stories and barely there at all in the game and stories but but if we're looking at something that's going to attempt to to ape a more 50s children's oriented tone because those those stories from the 50s were supposed to be oriented to kids right they were absolutely oriented yeah. to kids it's uh, the backstory on miracle man was uh mick anglo uh his company was reprinting Captain Marvel story, Shazam stories. Yeah. With, if I remember right, no permission whatsoever. <laughs> and then when uh, Fawcett Comics got sued by DC for saying Captain Marvel was too close to Superman and lost, they just kept reprinting them for a while until they got the smack down. And Anglo said, well, shit, these things are selling like a motherfucker. Um, okay, Captain Marvel is now Marvel Man. <laughs> now, Billy Batson, uh, yeah, we're just going to change all these character names around. But yeah. you know, Mickey Morin and Dickie Dauntless and uh, we'll just English it up. But, so it's Miracle Man as a character is a third generation Superman knockoff. Right. Yeah. Written for kids. Those stories are not why anybody was interested in Marvel getting the, the Miracle Man license. Which it, it makes me wonder, you know, what kind of tact they're going to take with that annual then. Well, supposedly, according to Quesada in this press release, it's sort of going to be, this Milligan story is going to be a wink and a nod at the darker things that are around the corner in the 80s. 
but still, it, it certainly doesn't feel essential. No. Um, and while I like both of those creators, you know, another 1950s Miracle Man story doesn't add anything to the main nut of what I want. All right. Well, that gets back then to you know who is this for? How? How? I'm guessing the publishing numbers on these reprints now that they finally have it all in hand and can do this must be good. Otherwise, they wouldn't be going ahead with an annual. Well, I mean, you'd think so, and I haven't stopped to to look that up. Uh, I know I put it on my polls immediately just because, uh, yeah, all my Eclipse reprints, frankly, I'm looking at 10 long boxes to my left. I'm still cataloging. They're in there somewhere. I haven't seen them for a while. And yeah. I was only able, able, ugh, ever able to get my hands on one of the trades, uh, the Red King Syndrome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I wanted to make sure, yep, let's make sure this project goes to fruition, and I will reread it as it comes out, and I will get myself nice shiny new hardcovers of the entire Miracle Man saga. So, you know, given that it was a, a fairly rare title to find, um, particularly after after Eclipse, uh, Eclipse went down, yeah. <laughs> um, probably, and I'm just guessing, but it seems like a reasonable educated guess to figure it's folks in our demographic of, of latter 20s to early 50s folks which is sounds wider than it should be but it it would be that would be the the age group well yeah unless you were generation x and at least in high school in the 80s which i was yeah you didn't really have a chance to get any of these when they first came out so yeah it would have to be and then after it stopped coming out it became such a legendary right you know oh this is more doing watchman stuff before watchman and you just you couldn't get it. So so these are folks that have heard the legend of and are are now buying and trying to catch up with. Um, you know, I read some of the ones that came out as this started to happen. And yeah, I think it's a great story. <laughs> um, it's not necessarily groundbreaking if you've already seen some of Moore's other work in that area. Well, yeah, it's certainly not groundbreaking in retrospect. Yeah, because the kind of stuff that that he did in particular in his three books of it, he did similar stuff in Watchmen. Right. You know, Dr. Manhattan is Miracle Man's cousin. You know, yeah. dis- disaffected over time. Humanity, you know, is not a primary concern. He certainly doesn't see himself as human. So, yeah, it's, in retrospect, far less groundbreaking. But still, at the time, and again, I missed most of these. I only had one or two. I think I had one issue... Um, late in Moore's run and one early in Gaiman's run. And again, it was kind of impenetrable to me because I hadn't started at the beginning. But I think it's also a a worthwhile read for those folks that are trying to get caught up on comics from from other countries that have influenced comics in America. Um, There's a really great British comics tradition that I don't think a lot of Americans necessarily know about. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, for myself, you know, I've, I've said in previous episodes, uh, I've been picking up the Judge Dredd Complete Case Files books as often as I can get them, because most of them are still out of print in the United States. Um, and, yeah, there's a huge amount of 2000 AD strips I've never read. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there as an American I've never seen. And, yeah, as sort of an entry point, Miracle Man certainly could work as that. Yeah. But at the same time... 
it's almost a 30-year-old book at this point. As an entry point, it's an entry point way into the past. It's more to, I think, educate oneself on other books that are important to the history of comic books. Maybe rather than simply being like something that you would read just because you've heard good things about it. Well, yeah, absolutely. But it goes back to the original point of, yeah, those books, those Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman books are that. Are new stories adding anything to it? Well, I I think that... I I can see where it's reasonable on Marvel's end to take the risk with the annual to see if it would be viable. Because there's been plenty of circumstances where a title has had an annual one year, and then that's the only time that that title's had an annual. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's true, and I can understand why they're doing it. I mean, you've got a Grant Morrison story that was written and never published from that period of time. Now, let's also remember it's a Grant Morrison story that Alan Moore said, don't you fucking do that. And I know those two guys (laughs) don't get along, in particular Alan Moore has talked shit about Grant Morrison over and over and over again. It's not necessarily so much going back the other way, but there's some bad blood there for some reason. Yeah. Somebody's cat went missing while somebody was on a friggin' mescaline bender. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but now I've got that picture in my head, and I'm going to have to drink it away later, but it's beside the point. <laughs> I would like to see Ralph Steadman draw that. <laughs> so would I. All right, let's get on the phone. But, but so yeah, it's it's a story from that time period, but it is outside the scope of what Moore did and what Gaiman did. So does it add anything to it beyond, hey, here's something with the character. And I'll say again, as a character, nobody gives a fuck about Miracle Man. Yeah. He's a third-rate Superman who was published on an island in the Atlantic Ocean for a few years and then went away. It's the the main story from these two legendary creators that make this worthwhile. It's not the character. Marvel already tried a Miracle Man type of character. His name was The Sentry, and he never worked, and they had to kill him. <laughs> he also went crazy. Yeah. He um, also had most of the same colors. Yeah, so... I, I guess I don't want to necessarily come out as a naysayer until I see what they do with it. Um, oh, come on. You're a comics fan on the internet. You're supposed to be a naysayer without seeing it. Well, I, I think that Marvel is is playing it incredibly safe. They're using something that's going to, you know, take place in the in the fifty in the fifties stories. Yes, it'll nod at darker things, but it's not like they're trying to kick off the first new arc of the new Miracle Man. Well, <laughs> at least I fucking hope they're not. <laughs> no, but I, you, do you see what I'm saying? I, yeah. I think I think. On the other hand. I mean, yeah, the the things that were, you know, before Watchmen or that kind of thing, that was also something that, in theory, was playing it safe because you're delving into these characters without having to break new ground, and that felt tired. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll talk about before Watchmen. Make <laughs> no mistake, because that's, that's part of why I have a, a problem with all of this. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the, as far as I can tell, there's two reasons to be excited that Marvel has this. And the first is, like we've been talking about, to get these stories that you have not been able to get anywhere unless you want to lurk around on eBay or 
hit hit the the back issues rack of every shit splat comic store you happen to wander into, which believe me, I went into some questionable locations that no longer exist. Oh, I helped with this pro- project. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you found me one place. I'm like, they got five of them. I'm taking them all. Fuck it. I don't think they know what they got here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and so yeah, just the ability to get that. And even that's kind of mitigated because let's face reality for about the last six or seven years, I could go on BitTorrent and get this entire run in about three and a half minutes. Yeah, but I mean that comes down to easy. A- everything is easy access on the internet. There's there's a certain point at which it becomes less thrilling to become a collector because you can just point and click. Whereas in the past, it was the the thrill of trying to find those shit splat stores that were out in East Podunk. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The thrill of the chase was half the fun in in putting together my collection of the Eclipse stuff. Yeah. Was was just hunting the stuff up. I felt like a failure when I went on eBay because it's like there's got to be some place I haven't checked yet. There's got to be. That you know, that was the hardest one to find though. That was the most rare and most difficult one to track down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And if I were looking for it now, believe me, I could have found fifteen copies of it at San Diego. But yeah. You know when I was. 28, 29 years old, the only way I was getting to San Diego <laughs> was if I started go- getting blackout drunk in strange bars <laughs> and praying that I woke up there. That was the only way it was going to happen. <laughs> so it certainly would be easier for me now. I've got more resources. And yeah, BitTorrent. Uh, you know, in 99, 2000, 2001, uh, you weren't finding this stuff. No, you might have found it on Usenet. Uh, it's possible, but we don't talk about Usenet. <laughs> It's the first rule of Usenet. Don't talk so, about Usenet. Exactly. Okay. Don't fuck this up for me. <laughs> um, but I mean, the other big reason to be excited about this was Gaiman and Mark Buckingham, who was drawing uh, Gaiman's run on Miracle Man for Eclipse, have said they're going to finish the story. Now, Gaiman had planned three six-issue miniseries, basically, within the main numbering of the uh, of the series, the Golden Age the Silver Age, and the Dark Age. And he only got to the second issue of the Silver Age. Uh, The third issue uh, was completed and inked, and pieces, parts of it, maybe the entire thing has made it to the internet. I haven't found it. Yeah. Granted, I haven't looked for it, because, again, that whole, yeah, old-school collector, no, I want to hold it, I want to have it, um, comes into play. But, yeah, the completion of that story by those guys is exciting. Yes. Just other Miracle Man stories. Now, there there have been other Miracle Man stories. There was uh, Miracle Man Apocrypha, which is a three-issue miniseries that came out toward the end of Eclipse's lifespan, where basically the conceit was, oh, these are stories that may have happened, may not have happened, so it allowed writers to have their own take in a short burst. Like an Elseworlds. Potentially. Some of them supposedly might have happened, might not have, but it, it gave enough of an out. It's like the Star Trek movie. You know, oh yeah, it's an alternate timeline, so all this other stuff happened. Uh, this stuff may or may <laughs> not, It's uh, so it doesn't piss off either camp. It so happened w- if we decide that we want to use it later because it was cool. Paralyzed Barbara Gordon. Um, <laughs> yeah, and there was some cool stuff in there. I know uh, Kurt Busiek did one. Uh, Matt Wagner did one. So I mean, there were some good stories, but with the conceit, you could still say, okay, but the main storyline by these two giants, that's the, the guts of it. That's all yeah. I really need to 
care about. I can enjoy these on their own merits without having to try to figure out how to fit them in. You know, and I certainly don't want to call guys like Busick and <laughs> and uh, Wagner lesser talents, but uh, I was interested in this contributing dual- talents. Yeah, the, this duality of vision, the, this story leading up to the basically takeover of Earth by Miracle Man by Alan Moore, and then the consequences of that over a long period of time by Gaiman. Yeah, um, there was supposed to be a mini series that Gaiman supposedly said they're okay with Miracle Man Triumphant that actually we covered on the site when some of the art leaked, um, and that was uh, written by Fred Burke, who's not a writer that I'm really <laughs> familiar with, with art by Mike Diodato. Um, that's another one made it all the way to the inking phase, and a lot of the art leaked. That's why we covered it about a year ago, I think, yeah, maybe a little less right. than a year ago. Um, and it was focusing on the time between the Golden Age and the Silver Age. And, and Miracle Man was supposedly going to see some fortune teller, and Miracle Woman was trying to make up with Liz Morin, Miracle Man's alter ego's wife. It would have been pretty to look at, because I generally like Mike Deodato's art, but that's another one I'm not sure if it was really going to fit in the continuity or not. So they've, they've done other stories. Yeah. But, again, with the conceit, at least that they used in Apocrypha, I was okay with that. I'm a little concerned about other writers trying to shoehorn into the main narrative. Because that's not a thing that I want. I want to see what these two guys had in, in common with it. And then I'm done. Miracle Man, I don't give a, a shit about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I care about stories about him from these two creators. And, and then I'm I'm good. And, and that's a perfectly valid viewpoint. I, you know, I'm going to guess that there are probably some other fans out there that, for whatever reason, have a different take on it and have bought into the character and its own particular peculiarities, despite being, as you termed it, and it's correct, a, a third generation Superman knockoff. Well, and, and that's the thing. There are very few peculiarities because in being a third-rate Superman knockoff, it is... It is a half-generation Captain Marvel knockoff. Well, I, all right, backtrack for a second. I mean, it, it became kind of its own thing under Moore, even if that thing was only a an examination of a superpowered being where absolute power corrupts. Right. And while I'm, while there's definitely been Superman stories around that... At this point, this is the thing for which the character is known for, whereas there are other Superman stories in the world. Yeah, I'll agree with that. So for some people, it's it's not as... The character is about the the dark corruption of power, and that's the character, not the, the Superman. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's true, and that's part of why it works, because he's all but a pastiche, even though he's got a history dating back years and years in England. Right. But where I'm going with this is some people may want to see, depending on how Gaiman and Buckingham wrap up the story, may want to see that character continue because they like the character. And you know what? I suppose that's something that I hadn't really ever considered is that they could wrap it up in a way that could allow it to continue. And Part of why I don't think I've considered it is I'm not sure you could make me give a fuck well, that's, about, yeah. <laughs> about what happens after. 
I mean, you're talking about two of the giants of comics writing about this one character deconstructing basically Superman, if not Captain Marvel, yep. in a way that had never happened before. And uh, how do you end that and then say, okay, and uh, next month, written by Scott Lobdell. <laughs> and, and then I'm off. Yeah. <laughs> With art by... Brett Booth. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm not sure how you can end it. And again, it's it's a weird thing because I, I can't speculate on the ending. I have no idea what Gaiman really had in mind all the way through the Dark Age beyond very vague, the Silver Age, young Marvel Man comes back or young Miracle Man comes back yeah. and the Dark Age, kid Miracle Man comes back. Well, a Dark Age, it's always darkest before the Dawn, awful cliched phrase. Yeah, don't say that here. Yuck my yum. <laughs> God damn it. Presumably one, well, the easiest route, and I would hope that Gaiman wouldn't do this because he's a better writer than this, is you have a character who is so far gone and so dark, one would hope that the end of his story is a redemption. Yes, which would imply the end of the story. Oh, and it would imply that also, going forward, if the character is redeemed, he is now a hero, and you can go on telling hero stories. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm just, I'm having trouble... Or they ick him off into the Miracle Man version of the Phantom Zone. and <laughs> well, well, look, the the story that supposedly happened, which might be apocryphal, <laughs> was... <laughs> um, when Moore finished up his story, he contacted Gaiman, who at the time had just done a couple things maybe for DC, maybe Black Orchid. Yeah. He was better known. The first time I ever saw his name, he did a book called Don't Panic, which was oh, a, yeah. a biography-ish of the Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> I think I had that. Yeah. So, so yeah, basically, Moore called him out of the blue and said, do you want to take over Miracle Man, by the way? Uh, I've had him uh, take over the world. He has ended crime. He has ended disease. He has ended strife. Uh, he's basically made the world perfect. Um, <laughs> you think he can do anything with that? And <laughs> he did really interesting stuff in the Golden Age where it was not very much about Miracle Man because I know you haven't read any of those issues yet. You're nah. just catching up on the Marvel stuff because, yeah. again, all my Eclipse ones are in a long box. And I believe I said uh, at the end of that drunken eBay, don't you fucking <laughs> touch these books. But but uh, it, it was very much about people who lived in Miracle Man's utopia yes. and how they were affected by this kind of technology. And so it was a completely different take. Uh, everything was supposed to focus more on the core characters in Silver Age and Dark Age. So, yeah, if it's a redemption, I don't know where you go with that. And I'm not sure who I'd even want to see try it. Um. Yeah, I I don't know who you want to see try it. I don't know what it looks like either since I'm even further behind on all of this. So I can't even extrapolate in terms of a particular villain or theme or core story that I mean would be the jumping off point. I but. can always say my personal favorite imagined ending would be Miracle Man repeatedly punching Todd McFarlane in the dick <laughs> for making it impossible for me to get these books for 15 years. Okay. 
<laughs> All right, that's that's valid. I'd, I'd like that to be the entirety of the Dark Age. <laughs> I'm, you know, and and you know, Buckingham has a has a really good detailed line. So I think that visually it would be you know stunning, even if it was the same panel over and over again. Yeah, I don't want that much detail in McFarlane's dick. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to consider that. But on the fist slamming into it, <laughs> fisting McFarlane. <laughs> Write that down. Okay, <laughs> but. So yeah, I mean, additional stories in in this universe. Certainly, I've enjoyed a few of them in Apocrypha. I'm I'm not sure I want more fit directly into the storyline. I'm just the idea that Gaiman could leave it so somebody else could take over is interesting to me, but I'm not sure who you would even get to do that. I'm really drawing a blank. I mean, well, I mean, also though, think about what you just said before. More solved all of the world's problems and created a utopia and then said to Gaiman, okay, here, <laughs> you run with it. And that's an ending to a story and everybody lived happily ever after and the world was without crime or cancer. Yeah, but... Your turn. He gave it <laughs> He gave it to Neil Gaiman, not to Scott Lobdell right, or so Joe I'm, Blow from Falmouth. Yeah, so, you know, who who would be a writer, you know, do they kick it over to Grant Morrison, God help us? You know, do they kick it over to, who who is the next biggest name who could potentially go in an interesting direction? Well, I mean, that, that's the sad thing. It's it's probably Morrison. Yeah. Whether Morrison would do it or not, I mean, from everything I've heard. He's busy uh, with multiversity. Well, yeah, but that's not going to last forever. Um, and he's worked for DC for forever. From what I've heard, he left Marvel in the early 2000s on not great terms. Yeah. Um, maybe Joey Q and uh, and Alonzo are thinking, yeah, all right, thinking long term, if we're going to do something with this, yeah, this is the guy we want. So, yeah, let's reach out to him for this story. And, you know, Morrison apparently demanded, fine, I'll give you the story, but I want Qu- Quesada to draw it. Yeah, no problem. Quesada hasn't done interior art in God knows how long. Yeah, since he, what, killed Karen Page? Or helped. <laughs> I definitely remember that one. I'm not sure what else uh, off the top of my head. Good. I like him. I liked him as editor-in-chief. He's never been my favorite artist. He's very 90s to my yeah. eye. But So, yeah, that could be what they're thinking. Um, it could work. Morrison probably has the right mindset, but I can already picture we cut to scenes of Miracle Man already punching the shit out of somebody, and we have no idea who. And I, I would hope if they decide to do do that and and continue to have it run after Gaiman manages to end it or resolve it that they give it to a, a British writer though I feel like there was it, this isn't a horror comic but there was a whole set of lamentations around the ending of um, Hellblazer that you know that was a great British horror comic and it was it, if you were a writer it was your dream to be asked to write for that sure um and so with the end of that there was an ending of this tradition that you could have been involved in had you been you know part of it um i feel like miracle man must be in a similar vein so you've got these two two of the heaviest hitters in british fiction moore and gaiman you have to (laughs) 
you almost have to legacy it to somebody. Oh, no, you don't, because I can already <laughs> see it, because in the last few months of uh, Avengers and New Avengers, we've been seeing, oh, alternate universes with all kinds of... Here's, here's Jonathan Hickman's Justice League <sighs> pastiche, and while I've enjoyed those stories, it also... It Hickman. <laughs> well, it also opens the door toward, okay, great, now Miracle Man... Miracle Man, part of why it was interesting was there were almost no other superhumans. Right. There is basically Superman and evil Superman. <laughs> uh, the only other superhuman uh, off the top of my head, Big Ben, mm. the man with no time for crime. And that doesn't fucking hold up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was one superhuman, one or two. There was also Miracle Woman imposing their will on just the rest of us. So I can too easily see somebody saying, okay, great, this story's over. Uh, we plunked Angela into the 616. Why don't you plunk Miracle Man into a place of superheroes and see how he tries to make that a utopia? Yeah. Let, let's yeah, which, let's not be all Debbie Downer on this right now, though. Well, <laughs> which which could work. Put down Debbie Downer. We don't have too many titles on this. And, <laughs> so, I mean, I suppose it could work. It's And... Part of what's working against me is what has this series has become through scarcity and word of mouth a legend. So it's hard to see it, and that legend has a very limited scope. It was Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, cut down in its prime, and all anybody wanted to see was how Gaiman ended it. For all we know, Gaiman had an idea and a name in mind of how to end it and who to hand it to. But the the legend is working against me on this. And it's it shouldn't. I have the books. I've read it. Um, and frankly, a lot of it doesn't hold up to the legend that is in everybody's minds. You know, some of it doesn't hold up. There's uh, Mr. Cream with his <laughs> sapphire teeth. Yeah, Big Ben, unnecessary crossovers with other warrior properties. I've never really gotten or liked the Warp Smiths. Um, you may have just begun yeah. to see them in a couple of the, the latest issues. Well, and even then, they're sort of undercover. The whole Sapphire Teeth thing now makes me think of, you know, I've seen worse, like, bling grills on rappers. Well, okay, so, <laughs> again, Moore was ahead of his time, but, you know, so, yeah, I mean, there was stuff going on in this story that was endemic of any shared universe. Uh, a lot of that seemed to go away under Gaiman, although I haven't reread those in a while. But, yeah, I mean, some of it just doesn't hold up as well as you'd think. It's become a legend because you can't have it. Yeah, but I think there's probably also also other stories that are legend. I mean, if you were to go back and read, um, you know, Action Comics... 10 is that the superman one <laughs> no that'd be action comics one one i'm sorry action comics one t for 10 cents <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah D dig yourself out of that hole you, <laughs> leave me alone i'm sober you're the, you're the co-host <laughs> of a comics podcast action comics one you know how exciting a story is that gonna be i i've read it it's it's okay all right <laughs> okay so you yeah, <laughs> I, yeah you, you've got a point and, and yeah, I suppose uh, it's just with those two guys involved, you know, who do you give it to? It's It would be one thing if it just sort of continued. 
if instead of Eclipse printing them, Marvel or DC had picked it up, and yep, Gaiman's got it until here, and even then there'd be an even chance of, oh, you know, this isn't selling real well, we're going to give it to somebody else, or we're just going to cancel it. I, I think we're probably getting ahead of ourselves in terms of all of this. The First, we have to wait for, for, for Gaiman and Buckingham to start dropping new issues, if and when that happens. You well, know, Gaiman's working on his own, you talk about you know, do you need to continue a thing? Gaiman has Sandman Overture. Uh, over, not Overture. Um, no, it's a Sandman yeah, Overture. Overture, thank you. Now I'm second-guessing myself on everything, <laughs> see? You, um, you fuck up Action Comics 1. You should stop and take stuff. You're right. Excuse me. I'm going to go beat my head into the wall for a while. And after I'm done flagellating, I'm going to get back to my point, which was, <laughs> um, you know, okay, that's a story also. I, I'm not sure he needed to get back into it. I'm reading it because I'm a fan of him as a writer. I'm... I'm curious, but I'm not sure he needed to bring it back. Yeah, but see, I got to believe that he really wanted to. And I got to believe that because of everything that he went through to help Marvel get the rights to it. You know, the the whole in 2000 or 2001, teaming up with Marvel to create Marvels and Miracles uh, as an LLC to help fund the lawsuit against uh, Todd McFarlane. Well, I mean, it was personal for him because of the whole crap with McFarlane. But again, getting back to you, just because a, a creator has an idea, it's not always it, you don't always get your best bang for your buck going back to the well. Well, and that's true. And it's been twenty something years, twenty years at this point, because yeah, Eclipse went under nineteen ninety four. Yeah, he's got a lot of irons in the fire in terms of projects that are, are graphic novels and comic books, but not just those, because he's got properties coming to TV and. You know, he's got books coming out all the time. How often has the new Sandman been out on time? Uh, once. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> you see where I'm going with this. Yes. It's great to have ideas, but, you know, one cannot yet clone oneself. Um, or perhaps give all of the attention that a project needs if your attention is too diffusely spread. Yeah, and I suppose that brings up the ugly elephant in the room of because this thing's been a legend and people like me have been clamoring for years i want to see how it ends it can't possibly live up to anything you've stuck in your head i really have no idea how it's going to end i've really not speculated a lot but i got three words for you mass effect two no it was three three two was okay (laughs) Uh, all right yeah i suppose that's that's definitely a point i mean yeah, maybe I got to take a step back from it because yeah, it's it can't possibly be as an actual ending is never going to be as good as the imagined ending. Yeah, you know, it, nothing ever holds up. You know, Stephen King said sooner or later you you got to show the bug behind the door. But part of why this is a legend because it was cut down in its prime, and yeah, you know, we'll we'll see the ending. And you know, it's Neil Gaiman. It's going to be good. Is it going to be legendary? Uh, maybe if, even if it's legendary it's you know <laughs> to go back to that Stephen King thing it's like you know you hear the bug behind the door it's like oh it might be a one foot bug oh, it might be a ten foot bug and you open the door and it's like oh it's a hundred foot bug I thought it could have been a thousand feet when they when they put Constantine out to pasture in Hellblazer nobody ranted louder than me that that was not how the man was supposed to go out that is true you know the ending will work for some people, and then for other people, it will never, ever have worked the way that they wanted to in whatever their headcanon was. 
Yeah, I suppose that's true. And God knows I generally like Grant Morrison as a writer. This might be a perfectly good Kid Miracle Man story. Supposedly it's, from what I've heard, it's Kid Miracle Man talking to a priest. All right. So, <laughs> clearly his restraining order, not as strong as mine. But, <laughs> yeah, and I like Peter Milligan, and I've certainly read these other stories in Apocrypha, and it's been okay, but, you know... Whether it should be a legend in my head or not, and I, I like to think in this conversation, I've been pragmatic in that certain parts don't hold up, and I recognize that part of why I'm excited about this is because it was so hard to get, and yeah. I've waited so long. Uh, again, it was six, seven years after this thing ended that I even tried to start to get into it, and even after 15 years, there's that much more anticipation, because you know, I followed all the mcfarland lawsuit stuff yep. you know pretty closely as it went along it's like oh someday this is going to get resolved and 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 consider also the danger of what happens what, what or what can happen if a project starts to become too long in the tooth you know how often have we bitched on this show and on the website about how long it's taking certain things to resolve in the walking dead or you know how certain characters are are turning and changing and that's not where it was in our head canon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and th there's a, a certain risk in going back to the well after a certain amount of time. You know, thank God they didn't do that with Indiana Jones. <laughs> they just did the three movies, or the Same... two, you know, two Godfather movies, exactly. <laughs> Star Wars. You know, it's been a long time since 1983, but I'm glad they stopped. <laughs> we only needed one Matrix. Yeah. All right. On the other hand. <laughs> No, I'll wait till we get to it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just sitting here. Now I'm sitting here thinking, yes, I can easily picture this annual happen happening as a way for Quesada to hold an olive branch out to Grant Morrison in the hopes of getting him back to work for Marvel in some capacity. While at the same time, Alan Moore sitting there saying, wow, you're really going to do this story I told him not to do? I will never go back to work at Marvel. Unless you're looking for a full-time Quesada pisser. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, yeah, that, that's the risk about going back to the well. I mean, we talked about before Watchmen, you know, God, that was just so infuriating. And there were some good books in there. Yeah. You know, uh, Azarello's Rorschach as a 70s revenge story was not bad. Uh, Amanda Connor and Darwin Cook's Silk Spectre was actually very that good. That was... That was, but at the same time, <laughs> they could have been about anybody else, and I'd have been happier. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Make it a story about the question and uh, Nightshade. I think was the character that they yeah took Silk Spectre from. I'm just as happy. Just obviously, I've I'd got... be happy, frankly, for any uh, stories about the question. At this point, yeah, <laughs> at this well. point. <laughs> Yeah, well, Vic Sage is in New Suicide Squad, so eventually. Again, I'm going to step away and just beat my head into the wall for a while. <laughs> yeah, but don't flagellate. I'm no, the, I don't. I don't. I'm need, the I don't need to here. flagellate over this. I'm not the one who fucked up Vic Sage in the New Fifty Two. <laughs> I'm not going to flagellate over the question either. If you find me flagellating over the question, <laughs> I want you to call a mental health professional. I already dialed nine and one. That's probably a wise <laughs> choice. So. 
All right, so you, you've convinced me up to a certain point because I was I was writing my notes for the show. Just you know, oh, this is never. I've got things never ends well in big <laughs> capital letters, and you know, it, it, I'm willing to give this story a shot. But you know, because it, despite the fact this that Miracle Man has become a legend, it is still a story by you know at this point just a couple of English dudes. Neither yep. of them were yet at the top of their game. There's a reason Miracle Man is neither of their magnum opi. 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 Yeah. Opi. Opuses. Sure. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, they were hitting the ground running and figuring out their shit, and the fact that they were both on their way to becoming legends is means they're really good. Yeah. And they're not perfect. And. Yeah, I suppose I, I suppose I got to step away from my, you know, oh, the, the, and I feel a certain ownership over it because of all the shit that I had to go through to get it over the the course of a couple of years. Well, and it, that is something I think, especially now where social media has made it so much easier, and the internet uh, have make have made it easier for fans to find a soapbox <laughs> like this podcast to stand on and 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 scream and rail and and and, and no I, this character that i feel so strongly about you know how dare you do this thing to to you know I, i'm gonna say this as a girl to my to my comic book boyfriend you know <laughs> who is he who is the son of a bitch oh. the miracle um, man i don't think i could take him <laughs> You know, um, that, you know, writers are going to keep writing. We as fans, we have opinions. They're going to write what they want to write. And and either the story is going to work for us or it's not. And, and we will find other stories. Amanda, unlikely voice of reason <laughs> on a show with very little reason. <laughs> Put down unlikely voice of reason. That, Amanda, unlikely that, voice of reason. Yeah, that may have to be. That's probably the most appropriate title for today's <laughs> show, because you have gone a, a long way toward convincing me. Because I, I walked into this going, you know, oh, this is a terrible idea and this sucks and they shouldn't do it. And if they don't frame it right, I'll, you know, they'll piss me off. And no, they won't. Look, uh, later on in this show, we're going to talk about the death of Wolverine, and and I have been a huge Wolverine fan going you know, away and Helen gone back. And yes. even at this point, I, I have just gotten to the point where I'm looking at this and we'll talk more about it when we get to it. And I'm just like, really? But I'm not going to get angry about it because <laughs> the stories that I liked, <laughs> they're still over there. I can go back and it'll be 1980 whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The The Claremont Miller book is still on the shelf. Yeah. Sip of water. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that now? If, if Unless you have other things you want to talk about re- regarding Miracle Man? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I've aired all my concerns. And <laughs> like I said, you've gone a long way toward convincing me. And that's that's part of the fun of doing this show for me is <laughs> we just close the door and sit here and talk about comics. And I try to be as open-minded as I possibly can. We both try to. And 60 <laughs> minutes from now, I'll be four beers in and be like, no! Uh, cut somebody. Dear Mr. Gaiman. <laughs> you don't know me. You think better than me. FedEx me pants. <laughs> Where are my pants? 
Call me back. My number's five. <laughs> okay, thanks. Oh, this is Rob, by the way. <laughs> I can be reached at... <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, fuck it. We'll just go straight into the book. So, yeah, we'll, let's start out with Death of Wolverine 1. Okay. So, Death of Wolverine 1, we've been leading up to this for months and yep. months, uh, written by Charles Sewell. Who now uh, has the exclusive with Marvel. Yeah, that's true. And uh, there's a guy who didn't necessarily come out of nowhere, but he's, he's I've really enjoyed his writing over the last few months. He's been doing a ton of books for DC mm-hmm. yeah, and for Marvel. So, And apparently is also a lawyer. Like this... Uh, well, good, because I'm going to fucking need one. <laughs> I get the impression, uh, the impression I got at our local comic book store, where, of course, you're taking away all of the facts from the source. Oh, yes. <laughs> is that he is a lawyer, and, and, and comic books are, are what he does on the side. Now, if I am incorrect in that, it's because my source were <laughs> yeah. the dudes at the local the comic book store. dudes at the store, store. <laughs> yeah. And if you believe them, my penis is even smaller than one would think. I'd also like so. to talk to you about Action Comics number 10. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, this is a, it's a four-issue miniseries, supposedly going to kill Wolverine forever. Yep. I give it, uh, how long was Peter Parker out? I give it that about long. About a year. About a, 15 months. Uh, I'll give it that long. Whenever the next uh, movie with Wolverine drops, that'll probably be when we see this not yeah, happen. Yeah, but... <laughs> That's assuming you don't believe all the stories about Ike Polmutter being pissed off that he doesn't have the rights to the movies for Wolverine. And you know, we talked about this in an earlier issue, the rumors that, no, no, don't don't hype the Fantastic Four. Fuck Fox. We don't. So not necessarily. But Wolverine is. Look, when you think Marvel, you think Spider-Man and Wolverine at this point, basically. That's fine. It'll give Hugh Jackman time to go do another musical or goofy australia movie or you kidding when the fourth issue of this drops he is going to let out a sigh of relief (laughs) and he is going to go get the biggest ice cream sundae and a beer ball of budweiser and he's gonna be it's the only beer i can think that comes in a ball he seems like a nice dude i don't think he can do a quarter barrel i think Coors used to come in a ball Coors tastes like balls (laughs) my bad yeah trust me i drink a lot of it Go on. So, <laughs> so yes, first issue of yeah, what is supposed to be the beginning. The background is uh, during uh, the previous uh, series written by Paul Cornell. Yes, uh, Wolverine has lost his healing factor, um, and now uh, he is in the process of basically dying because of himself. You know, if you don't have a healing factor and your bones are made of heavy metal that has been irradiated in Nagasaki, <laughs> you're you're on you're, the slow drip to dead. You're going to have a bad fucking yeah. time. <laughs> so, yeah, and this is the beginning of people coming for Wolverine. So, first of all, when I picked up this book, I was excited because it was another big, thick comic for like five bucks. And I got to tell you, I can live a long, fulfilling, and happy fucking life <laughs> without paying five, six, seven dollars for a thick book and finding nothing but another 20-page story with a whole bunch of director's cut back matter that I don't give a shit about. Yeah. You know, you save that for the trade as like extras for the trade or something. <laughs> yeah, it's you're putting me in a place where I will have spent, and I think this is a five dollar book. Where did I put the books? Oh, somewhere. Uh, the books are here someplace, but I've lost track of them. I think it was a five dollar book. Yeah, so I'll have paid twenty dollars for this by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, and if I want to get the trade now, I'm forty dollars, and you're you're putting, you know. I make a decent living. I can afford that, even if I don't want to spend it. You're putting people in a position where they're going to have to choose one or the other. Yeah. 
and I'd love to. I, my Comicsology app is something I touch once every six months when a really big book that I missed, yeah, you know, came out. So I, I don't know what this is going for digitally, but I imagine it's the same price. And it's always sort of nice, I suppose, as a student of comics to say, "Oh, this is how." The penciled art looks, and this is how it looks when it's inked. I got inked comic art on the wall in the bedroom. I, I can see it whenever I want. Yeah. So that that's just, it's got nothing to do with the book itself. That's just a fucking gripe that I have, and I see it more and more with these big event books. And I still maintain, as much as I like Sewell's writing, this isn't a book that I'm not, that I'm convinced needs to exist. Right. This still feels like an editorial edict. You know, heard a rumor from, I forget which of the big two it was, but... You know, realizing, you know, death of characters hype everything up. It's like we're killing somebody once a quarter. This feels like the third quarter death. Yep. <laughs> you know, and let's get our financials in order. Yep. And Sewell has no background in the character, as far as I'm aware of. But hey, you're here, and you've been doing good work for us. You get to carry the ball for the company. Yeah. So, with that said, because Jason Aaron can't write everything. Well, for Marvel. <laughs> that's true, and maybe you shouldn't. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But <laughs> um, this is not a bad story. Clearly, Sewell put a lot of thought into the things that could be killing Wolverine beyond... L- let's face it, we all know it's going to be fucking Sabretooth. This is going to come down to Wolverine well, versus Yeah, they Sabretooth. showed the gun on the wall of the last page of the issue. Be- well, what should have been the last page of the issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then there were another 25 pages of crap that nobody needed to see. Oh, but... look, spoiler. Um... You know, particularly, <laughs> particularly, it's like, oh, look, here's the penciled first page. Really, the first page of the book was already the penciled first page. <laughs> you had to flip that over to get to the actual inked and colored full page. Yeah, page. the Viper's got Sabretooth on a leash as she sits there contemplating yeah. how awesome she is. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, it's complete spoilers from here on out. Yeah, um, I, I, I said spoilers a little while ago. Okay, well. <laughs> I, I try not to listen to you because you keep changing my mind. And, I like, know. Trying I know. to make me a better person. What if I was more perky and gleeful? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Please don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> I don't think I could bear it. I won't do it. Um, so Much. But yeah, he, he's clearly put a lot of thought into the other things that could be killing Wolverine. You know, the heavy metal poisoning, the... Uh, you know, the fact that he was at Nagasaki and therefore the metal in his bones will have picked up the radiation. Well, even so much as every time he extends the adamantium claws, the bacteria that are present that will come back up into the open gaping wounds. Yeah, the, endo- <laughs> the endocarditis. Uh, yeah. I like that. The, the simple the, could be another gun on the wall. The uh, don't get a concussion because we normally treat that by cutting a <laughs> hole in your skull. But we can't do that because you're covered in adamantium. Yeah. And and then what do we see 10 pages later? He's bashing his skull against a cyborg yeah, for yeah. 10 panels. I have to say, as as it, all arguments about whether or not this book should happen aside, I kind of enjoyed seeing Nuke. <laughs> I would have, except I didn't buy the characterization. Nuke was my biggest, the biggest problem I had with this okay. because I don't think I've ever seen Nuke acting as just a cold-blooded mercenary. I don't think I've seen him ever working with anybody. The point of Nuke is he is damaged beyond human comprehension. He requires constant chemical adjustments, mm-hmm. even if they're psychosomatic, which I think was revealed at some point to, to keep him in a certain mental state. Um, plus... 
we saw him recently, and I know you haven't been following it, but in the Iron Nail, which was uh, Captain America story mm. by Rick Remender recently, had Nuke, was not acting like a coherent mercenary. And while Captain America is never at the top of my stack, so I might be remembering incorrectly, I'm pretty sure he got fucking killed. I think I oh, think Doctor Mind so maybe Bubble. Put him back together. <laughs> uh, it's possible, but I think Doctor Mind Bubble blew him up. If I'm remembering right. Well, then that gets into the issues in terms of you know Marvel editorial. <laughs> yeah, but so yeah, Sewell's characterization of Nuke didn't really do a lot for me. Seeing Wolverine against Nuke, that's interesting, and yeah. that was a well choreographed fight. Steve McNiven had really good art on this. Everything was nice and clear. It was laid out. Um, that so that there weren't any problems with my following it. Yep. Not a thing we're going to say about Original Sins number eight in a few minutes. <laughs> but and yeah, that was a good fight. It was fun to fun to read. But Nuke is kind of a pot-bellied gun for hire, leading a team. He seemed more interested though in the in whatever the size of the score is. So whether or not he's behaved in this fashion as a mercenary before perhaps he has a compelling reason why he wants the money now yeah and he certainly it was in character to have him reference the american dream yeah yeah because <laughs> we all know the american dream is killing a canadian and just getting a lot of money for it <laughs> yeah as I say, going to canada <laughs> killing I, a canadian i mean i have those dreams a lot but that's why they don't let me into canada <laughs> that's why i got a big ugly stamp on my passport <laughs> but but enough about your restraining orders. Yes, uh, I've got so many of them. But restraining <laughs> orders, that could be another one. But So, yeah, it wasn't terrible characterization, but it, it didn't work for me. And again, back to the work of you know, Masters, I'm never not going to see Nuke except in Daredevil Born Again. Okay. And and that's, whether it's a failing or a personal preference or whatever, that, that's on me. It's not on Sewell. It's not on what Remender did, or yeah, I know Nuke was in Thunderbolts for a while. Only for a little while. Yeah, and I don't remember how that turned out, because Thunderbolt's another one rarely at the top of my stack. So, so yeah, your mileage may vary. Clearly it worked for you, but it just sort of, uh, this is not the Nuke that I remember. Okay. You, know, you need someone big and ugly for Wolverine to fight. You can't go straight to Sabretooth. I was say, well, they're going to like pull D-Man out, you know, apropos of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, D-Man versus Wolverine. <laughs> Flick. You think I'm pissed about 25 pages of back matter. When it's 49 pages, I'm the ape shit. But, yeah, it's, it, it was a fun little read. Uh, didn't work, Nuke didn't work for me. But I, I really enjoyed the art on it, and I'm interested to see where it goes, even though this is not my first rodeo. It is kind of how I envisioned it, it at least kicking off. Um, I thought, Although I thought this was going to be really more of an endgame with him just waiting for all comers, um, rather than kicking off waiting for all comers. Yeah, but even even that doesn't really pass the smell test. You know, Mr. Fantastic telling Wolverine, yes, go out in the middle of nowhere by yourself and just hole up. You know, Wolverine's on about five different teams. If it's, you know, <laughs> no, you, you can't get in any combat, and yet everybody's going to come for you. Hang out in Avengers Mansion. 
he would have been better off suggesting he stay in the Baxter building, <laughs> you know, because if somebody came for him, he could just stick him in a pocket dimension somewhere until they left. Oh, that's another continuity problem, because in Fantastic Four, they've been kicked out of the Baxter building. Oh, Marvel editorial. <laughs> hey, look, I, I'm I'm willing to overlook continuity issues that the nuke characterization i did have a problem with although it wasn't so egregious i threw the book down i'm just like this this doesn't smell right to me yeah yeah and certainly i believe logan as a character is far more likely to go to a cabin in manitoba or uh, i know nothing about canada (laughs) they won't let me go there but then he is to sit in avengers mansion even though that's where Tony Stark and B-Star and... And all of the other people who could fucking help him. Yeah. So, but, you know, character-wise from Logan, I can buy he would do that. I can buy he would continue to defend himself in the way that he does regardless of the cost. So, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It it certainly had some problems. I'll I'll certainly keep reading it, but not bad. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to reserve judgment overall until... Uh, it's wrapped up, but I don't hate it. I don't see the purpose for doing it other than, ooh, it's an event again. Yeah, and it's going to wind up another Sabretooth Wolverine fight. Yep. Yeah, the only question is, does Sabretooth also wind up dead at the end of it? Oh, but yeah, because that'll I, take. Yeah, well, I saw Jeff Loeb kill, <laughs> kill Sabretooth about six or seven years ago. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, not bad, as opposed to... Uh, Original Sin 8, which just did not work for me. (sighs) So yeah, Original Sin 8, the conclusion of uh, Marvel's latest event about two weeks before Axis starts. Yeah, if you want to talk about unsatisfying endings. Yeah, written (laughs) written by Jason Aaron, uh, art by Mike Diodato. Um, Yeah, and I like Mike Diodato's art. His stuff on New Avengers, I have always liked. Uh, I think he's got a nice, clean, almost photorealistic style. Yeah. His art in this issue totally didn't work for me. Did it seem muddy to you? It was blurry. Yeah. Everything had a weird panel structure. Everything was really shadowed. Um, there were definitely Photoshop blur effects in a lot of things. Yeah. So it made it really hard to tell what was going on where and who was involved and what was happening. It was just... And it didn't help that story-wise we were jumping from the past Mm -hmm. with Nick Fury and The Watcher uh, to the present. And, yeah, just the art didn't work for me. I had trouble following the story, and that's a cardinal rule. Yeah. You can't make it hard to follow what's going on. Because the pictures are are doing most of the heavy lifting in these stories. So (laughs) if you can't follow the pictures. Yeah, and it's... (laughs) It's not a thing I've seen him fall into before, but yeah, the different panel layouts on every page and yeah, all these effects and too much shadow, it just, it didn't work for me. It was a huge misstep and it really, really fucked up my enjoyment of the issue at all. And I generally, at least in the first half, it was enjoying this event a lot. Yeah. That was smart and kind of cool. Somebody shot the watcher in the face, you know. All these cosmic events, dude with a gun. Yep. And for it to end up this way, plus with Diodato's art, there were just dumb continuity errors on the last page. We've got, and again, we're spoiling the living shit out of this. So we've got Nick Fury chained on the moon, and he's got his little dead shot 
eye. Monocle, <laughs> yeah. it, where his eye was out. In the next panel, it's missing. It's just a fucking eye socket. Yeah. I, I guess I was, and, and again, since it was a little tricky to follow, <laughs> what no. I took away from it was Nick Fury, who has been the super cop of, of the sector of the universe. <laughs> yeah. The man on the wall. Man on the wall. Who whose job is to respond to any threat to Earth has has decided or has become aware that the watcher is basically looking for suicide by cop because he's tired of living. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> so, so again, in terms of something that might have been a satisfying conclusion turned out to be something that felt poorly paced for that outcome. Yeah. They could have done that in four issues. And it also doesn't make a shitload of sense because the Watcher just fathered a kid with, and I forget the female Watcher's name, but so the Watcher has a child we've seen the child in the mighty avengers recently the blue marvel has become his godfather yes yeah so we're, we're talking who in theory should be active parents i'm not sure i mean i have a kid i don't want to live anymore that's what i would do but i'm not <laughs> cosmic so so it's just a weird character beat for i've decided I, i'm done <laughs> and we don't know much about the Based on this, we certainly don't know much about the the life cycle of the Watchers. Maybe yeah. that's just what they do. Okay, I've had me a kid. Time for me to go. Time to die. <laughs> don't you dare put Roy Batty, Roy Batty gravitas on. Shoot me in the face, Nick Fury. <laughs> don't you do that. So, but he's seen things you wouldn't believe. I know he's seen everything because he's the Watcher. The Watcher is watching you <laughs> masturbate. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm not real clear on why the Watcher wanted this to happen. It may come out over the course of Axis or whatever oncoming thing is, but it just sort of, you're right, it just sort of came from, okay, I think I'm done. Nick Fury will kill me. Yeah, I've let, all, I've let these things that I'm, I'm powerful enough that n- nobody should have broken into my house to begin with. So I am now a threat to the universe because I've allowed these things out into the universe. Kill me! Go yeah, ahead. But, Do see, it! <laughs> that I don't agree with. <laughs> I mean, killing a watcher, sure. Why not? Yeah. It's a Saturday night. You need something to do. But <laughs> Tip a cow, kill a watcher, whatever. Sure. <laughs> uh, I've, I've lived in Vermont for a while. You do what you have to do. Watcher, cop, whatever. <laughs> but, but no, um... The orb said that, no, he he called us. At least that's what the orb thinks. So the implication is, yeah, the Watcher was giving up his eyes. Yeah. And the way it was, way it wound up with the orb has one and Nick Fury has one makes it seem like there was design behind it, even though I'm not sure what the fuck that was. Yeah, especially considering what the orb went and did with it. Well... <laughs> It's it's not what it did to either one of them. It's what the eyes did to them. And yeah. I'm still not clear about that because, all right, we've established the Watchers can have progeny. So Watchers, in theory, should not be made. And yet these eyes made two Watchers, and we've got Nick Fury 
chained to the moon. Is is he the good watcher while the orb is just walking around watching murders happen? The orb is taking the he he's like the perv watcher. He's, he's <laughs> I mean if if you know watching a murder and a domestic assault get your rocks off, okay. But that, well, that was the implication. No, lady, I just want to watch. That well, was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his pants were on. I wouldn't bet my life on it, but. Well, as far as we know, his dick is made of eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, we don't really see underneath the Johnny, and I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. We can't do anything about that with a title. But... <laughs> Triocular vision? <laughs> no, I'm not writing that down. <laughs> yeah, no, don't. All right, don't do that. Because but... they established earlier that he had to learn how to talk, otherwise he was just making squishy noises. <laughs> yeah. But, all right, so if the Watchers can reproduce, there's no reason to make Watchers. We've got at least one weird, creepy Watcher. We've got Nick Fury stuck on the moon watching, which begs another question. Who the fuck chained Nick Fury to the moon? The watch, The other Watchers were watching it happen and flat out told him, we cannot act, Right. we cannot intervene, so who the fuck chained him up to the moon? Well, I don't know. And, and, you know, for a character like Nick Fury, who has only ever wanted to have his hands in everything at every level to be seemingly stuck in such a passive uh, punishment, passive... Well, it's definitely it, a, a curse, and it's yeah. meant to be a curse based on this reveal just in the last two months. He's been this quote man on the wall just killing folks yeah which now spoilers bucky gets to do apparently yeah and and as a choice for that particular character i think it makes a lot of sense even though there are a few head fakes toward the punisher but right yeah i can't see the punisher (laughs) unlike unlike (laughs) unlike the winter soldier the punisher's got a book that's selling so he, (laughs) he doesn't have the he doesn't have the time to be out there in space just shooting cosmic dicks so it's also an interesting choice for the Winter Soldier, who is at an all-time high of public consciousness, having been in the second highest grossing movie of 2014, <laughs> yeah. to stick him out in space. But you know what? If Marvel wants to do that with the character, Guardians of the Galaxy was the largest selling movie of 2014. Great. Now you can slot him in. So it's an interesting choice. I guess it makes sense Yeah, from a certain viewpoint. Well, anything that, that has been written can be written around. Yeah, they they found ways to have, even despite Fury's man on the wall status, him in eight hundred books and on the ground with ops. And <laughs> yeah, well, you brought up before the show started. Uh, maybe it's a life model decoy on the moon. Maybe yeah, we'll, although I, I doubt it. I think, and again, back to editorial mandate, it seems like somebody said, "Okay, you know what? Everybody pictures Nick, Nick Fury, Fury as an African American gentleman." And we we've already set up one who's conveniently named Nick Fury. Uh, can we just sort of push this character who's huge in Marvel history? Can we find a way to push him off the the well, stage? But that's where you know we talked about this earlier with the Apocrypha books and Elseworld books. Something is only not canon until it becomes popular enough that people feel that it should be canon for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, and and this all happened because of. The Ultimate Universe yep. and in the first Ultimates deciding, yeah, make Nick Fury look like Samuel L. Jackson. They flat out said it, if I remember it right. Right. So, okay, I don't have a problem with this being the new normal. It just seems like 
you know a, a way to shuffle this character who for the comics is a classic character he's he's, he's the number one player and <laughs> at the same time in original sins last week or the week before they just sort of unceremoniously said yeah dum dum dugan oh yeah ever since career or so you've been a life model decoy <laughs> just you know you want to push somebody off the stage yeah my life is a lie so, yeah, it feels like a lot of this just came from editorial edict of, okay, this is the new face of Nick Fury. And again, that's that's fine. Yeah, and yeah, we'll see where it goes. But in order to get there, we had to have watchers who can reproduce, creating other watchers for no reason at all, and somebody chain Nick Fury up. And by the way, I'm pretty sure that's Nick Fury because the, the art's a little muddy, and I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, but meanwhile, if you want, like, you know, the Fury that you, you knew and loved growing up with, the books are still over there. <laughs> yeah, I've got the Steranko book over yeah. there. Not the IDW artist edition. Jesus Christ, the floors would collapse. No, I got the paperback. <laughs> I would love to have that book. I I'd have to buy another house to store it in. But that's I think where I'm I'm finding myself, you know, at this point where if if a title is going in a direction that I'm no longer buying into or a character, I'm just like eh, I don't I think I spent the last of my righteous fury on Constantine. So, <laughs> no, you're, you're a comics geek. You'll find more righteous fury. I know, but I, now I'm just like, eh, I'll just uh, I'll go read this other trade. <laughs> yeah, it's a, in its own way, comics are like the weather in New England. You don't like it? Wait. Yeah, I'm just. Well, I'm, they they say five minutes. Uh, wait, fifteen months. Using this time to get caught up on other other titles. That I've been collecting that I haven't had time to read that aren't necessarily huge. Like I just caught up on, on the latest Lazarus trade. Like <laughs> I haven't read that one yet, but the first one was really good. You know, like ah, oh, this is a character that that is new and different and awesome. I'm going to read this for a while because it hasn't gone on long enough. Not that I think that Rucka would fuck it up because he wouldn't, but I hope. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is creation and vision and shit, but yeah. <laughs> But it's just like they, there, there's no backstory here other than what's being laid out right now in real time. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. All right. So this has been a rare week in that we normally talk about two books, and neither one of them we were. One was not bad and good enough to keep reading, and the other was. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> so, so we're gonna do one more. We'll just talk about it for a couple minutes. Now cause... this is a case where you know what? Sometimes you can go back to the well. Yeah, so <laughs> this is a title we've talked about before, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, written by Eric Powell, uh, art by Brian uh, Churia. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And Ch- Carpenter is in on the story. He's developing the story with, with Eric Powell. Powell. Yep. And uh, this has been a fun title since it started out. God, I love this book. You know, it's <laughs> it's very much a mix of, if you read The Goon, Eric Powell's humor but he really gets that John Wayne cadence of Jack Burton down. Yeah. So you can you can read it in Jack Burton's voice, even though there are weird leaps of humor logic that Jack Burton from the movie would never really make. Um yeah, the the whole <laughs> the the speech that he gives when they're going in to, to make the deal to to hand off the jar and all right, just a little backstory. Burton and Egg Chen had to go out and collect jars that carry the three storms um, and bring them back to this guy, Chiang. Yeah, the, the who's three. Like eight foot tall. The three storms are, are the big dudes with superpowers from the enforcers. The movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
so he he gives this long uh, motivational speech to these guys that that ends with you know you might want to fold but for me i'm gonna play this two and four like a man (laughs) (laughs) and there's the the classic you know that he's he's saying this to the troops and the troops are like who's jack burton (laughs) yeah and uh, just on the the first page, uh, an opening thing about you know, th- th- this demon has taken a leak on the Pork Chop Express. And <laughs> he's like, do you know what happened to the last guy who took a leak on the Pork Chop Express? Well, he opened a very successful radiator business, but that's not the point. <laughs> just really fun humor in it. And uh, and this one had the added bonus for me, and it was actually it added to the character from the movie and was really kind of touching a big spread that explains why jack didn't kiss gracie goodbye yeah that was a nice moment actually that really (laughs) really showed that powell's put a lot of thought into who jack burton is and why he might do some of the stuff he does and some of those reasons is jack burton is fucking stupid yeah and i'm okay with that (laughs) but but you know i also like the continued references to his, his trucking background so that when Chang says something like, ah, I see you've returned from the horrors of the midnight road and he's like yeah the midnight road's nothing you should see Cleveland at 1am yeah <laughs> not that impressed <laughs> so yeah it's if you like the movie at all it, even if you don't this is just it's fun it's funny it's yeah it's it's just been a good read, and, and Powell has signed on at least for 12 issues. Buy the shit out of it so he keeps doing it, because yeah. this is just a lot of this fun. This is a place where, yeah, you, you know what? If you have the right artists and writers in place, you can go back to the well, and, and you can keep doing the thing that made the story magical for the fans that loved it the first time around. All right, and see, that ties everything up. You, you've convinced me I'll read the annual. <laughs> I'll read the annual, I'll read the other stuff that comes up, and I'll just put the things aside that don't work for Miracle Man for me. There you go. All right. I think that's it. That's right. a good place to tie that's it up. That's a good place. We can't do segues, but callbacks, we got those fucking down. Boora. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't go military on me. I can't, I can't tell. I don't have the discipline. Okay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Military discipline or glee. Can somebody please <laughs> come and rescue me? If you just let me have my whiskey before the show. <laughs> what, why don't we wrap it up and we'll get you some whiskey right Yay. now. So, yes, uh, you can find us. Uh, I don't know where you found this show. <laughs> it's in the darker corners of the web, but wherever you found it, our home base is our website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. You can email us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is... At Infinite Midlife. Yes. Uh, we are also available on iTunes. Yep. If you come across us on iTunes, do us a favor. Chuck us a rating. No, give us a review. We're we're making this up as we go along. We say that every week. So, <laughs> But we mean it. F- yeah. Well, <laughs> if it's not clear, trust me, we fucking mean it. So, yeah, give us a little feedback. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, so we can tailor this to your needs. Yes. Of course... You may be some kind of spastic, in which case. <laughs> well, we'll still, we'll still, you know, read it. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll, we it. appreciate the feedback. <laughs> we are proud members of the uh, the Comics Podcast Network. Yes, we even are. Even though I couldn't think of their name for a second. Action I really Comics am psyched. <laughs> Action, Action Comics, Comics 10. 10. 
No, it's uh, I really am psyched to be on there because I spent most of the day while I was cataloging books, listening to podcasts yeah, from yeah. that network, and found some really good stuff. And cool. feel like we're in pretty decent company there. Yay. So, so yeah, I think that is about it. This has been uh, episode thirty-three of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife Show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening, and derp. Do you really want that whiskey right now? Because if you don't, I'm drinking it. Okay. <laughs> Where's the glee, goddammit? Where's the joy? Hee! <laughs>